0: Well, I will. On November 4th, 2016, 5 million people descended on downtown Chicago. Sources say that it was the th- seventh largest gathering of people in human history. You know, it's hard to imagine. I'm not sure how they figure that out, but... Okay, I apologize to Cleveland fans, and the Cardinal fans, and the Reds fans, and any other fans who aren't Cubs fans. You have the privilege of being wrong, I understand that. (laughs) It ended 108 years of professional futility for the Chicago Cubs, the longest championship drought spanned between championships of any professional sports team in American history. And the crowd went crazy, I went crazy. Normally, I'm in bed before that game ended. There was a rain delay. I stayed up. I couldn't miss that opportunity. I admit that I might have even cried a little bit. But as I think about that, a question popped into my mind Why don't we celebrate God that way? Why don't we celebrate what God is doing that way? Eventually, I think we will. Scriptures say we'll surround the throne with people from every tribe and nation and language group and ethnicity, all that. And we will, we will shout out praise to the king of kings, to the lamb who's on the throne. And we will celebrate incredibly, and it's going to be awesome. But the question is, why don't we do it now? On Friday, Dr. Lichetti's chapel message explored the time when the ancient people of Israel were caught in the wilderness. He called it the desert of disappointment. And he said, our spiritual ancestors are fumbling, mumbling, grumbling Hebrews. Then he said, we are them, and they are us. I think he's right. I don't have time today to unpack all the reasons why I think we sometimes get grumbling and complaining and stuff like that, but I'll just, I, I, I got a short list. I think for some of us, we've been afflicted by broken trust. For some of us, our parents said, you can trust us, and then they ended up getting divorced, and it broke our hearts and broke our trust. It's not, you don't have to look very far in our world today to see religious leaders and professional leaders telling us to trust them, only to have some kind of moral failure, and those who told us how to live and told us what to do demonstrate that they weren't doing it. And broken trust is the seedbed of cynicism. I think for some of us, for all of us, there's some degree of self-centeredness that we have to deal with in life. There's something in us that likes things done the way we want them done. There are Sundays I stand in church, confession time, there are Sundays I stand in church and saying, why are we singing this song? Can you identify it with that at all? That's a key that nobody can sing. Nobody knows the song. The rhythm is bad. The drum's too loud. Whatever. Have you ever sat in chapel and wondered that? I know you have, because I get letters. (laughs) Why don't we ever sing oceans? We did not too long ago, but we used to sing at every chapel, it seemed like, and at some point you move on. I'm sure that in our lives, if your life is anything like mine, you have specific expectations of what would be the perfect world and what would be the perfect chapel and what would be the perfect church service. I think that there are times that you think your professor is being unreasonable in some assignment that he or she gives, some paper that you have to write and you just think it's crazy. I know, at least I'm guessing you do that as a student, I did. I think it's like we think that life should evolve revolve around us and our ideas and our thoughts and we don't actually say that out loud. It's not necessarily something conscious, but it's something almost subconscious that oozes out of each of us at one point or another where we think it would be better if they did it this way. And when it's not done that way, it's easy to be critical of others. Some of us are victims of bad theology. We just somehow come to the idea that God should meet not only our every need, but our every want, our every desire. We've come to believe that life ought to always be sweetness and light, that our opinions should be blessed and honored by others. Sometimes, sometimes our lack of celebration comes from busyness and fatigue. This week was one of those weeks, papers and projects, were due doing, are and you're facing the end of the semester and finals coming up, and some of you are just stressed by that. I I can identify with that a little bit. This week was busy for me. On Wednesday, I worked all day long. And then in the evening, I had two events with students. And on Thursday, I had two events with students. And on Friday, I only had one event with students, but it was three and a half hours long. And on Saturday, I had five events with students. And on yesterday, I had two more things. And then I had papers to grade. And I will tell you, I went to bed last night just fried. Anybody else? I'm guessing a lot of us did. It's easy in times like that to be critical and to let cynicism start to rise. Today, I want to talk about that a little bit. In fact, I want to take us to Scripture, to First Thessalonians, and just address this whole idea of why don't we celebrate God like we should? We're going to hang out in First Thessalonians and this may be the first pet letter that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. He wrote to this church that it had been enduring persecution and he begins by thanking the Lord about how faithfully they serve the Lord and how much they love others and how they cling to hope, to, of, how they cling to hope in the Lord in spite of challenging circumstances. He observes that they re- received the message of God with joy and now it's ringing out from them to others. He doesn't even have to listen hard, he just hears from everywhere the Thessalonians they've got it and they're telling us and it's awesome and then he, that's how he starts Thessalonians and he ends it he ends it with these commands 1st Thessalonians 5 16 rejoice always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You ever ask what's God's will for your life? This is His will for your life. Rejoice always. I didn't say we're always supposed to feel joyful. That's not Paul. what Paul wrote. It says we're always supposed to choose to actively Rejoice, to celebrate that God is at work, even if the circumstances we face are hard. It's looking for God at work in the middle of life and choosing to celebrate that. Rejoice always, then pray continually. It's possible that some of us go big chunks of the day without thinking of God. We're just busy doing our stuff. And Paul says pray continually. The idea is that we're continually lifting our thoughts to God while we're in the middle of doing other things. It's an attitude of deliberate awareness and deliberate dependence. It's an attitude that says everything is done for God's glory. It's an attitude we choose. Some of you may recognize the name Brother Lawrence. His sayings, his thoughts, his teachings are collected in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence was a lay worker in a Carmelite monastery in Paris in the 1600s, and his assignment was the kitchen. Now, you tend to think of great spiritual teachers having an assignment in a pulpit or something like that, but his was a kitchen. And he would say things like, God and I are peeling potatoes today. God and I are going to the market today. He practiced the presence of Christ in everything he did. What about this for you? God and I are getting ready for the final today. God and I are at Makan today. God and I are watching a movie today. The idea is to be continually aware and continually dependent on, the, on God and to live every moment to honor him. I sometimes wonder if we really had that thought about ourselves, this God and I are doing this, if that might change some of the stuff we do. Maybe. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This thought is deeply rooted in the theology of the Apostle Paul. God's always at work. The only reason giving thanks makes sense is because Paul believes that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He says God's at work, give thanks. No matter what happens, trust that the Lord is at work. God who works in all things for the good of those who love him is at work in you. So rejoice, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. This is God's will for you. But here's the deal. I've come to the conclusion that we're better at talking about God's will than we are doing God's will. I've come to the conclusion that we're better singing songs about praise than actually praising Him. We talk about giving thanks. We believe we should celebrate the grace of God in our lives. But how easily do we default to something else? I have a confession to make. I I went into Baldwin the other day. That's not the confession. I went into Baldwin the other day and swiped my for a meal, and I walked over and at the demo line they were making pasta, and I was on a, a low carb day so I couldn't eat there. So then I went over to the serving line, the buffet line, and nothing looked good. So I thought I'll go get a hamburger. And I went over to the hamb- where they usually have hamburgers and they didn't have hamburgers. They had some, to me, dried out looking sandwich. So I thought, pizza. And then I recalled the pizza's higher in calories than I wanna eat besides they only had a couple pieces. They were in between when new pizzas came out and the, the meat at the, at the gluten-free section looked a little dry and, and I didn't wanna take time to make a panini and, and I was just sitting there and I went into grumbling mode. Mother, they never have anything. No, that's not true. I eat there and they have, have stuff all the time. And as, I, as I'm grumbling, my mind flashed back to times that I've done ministry in the streets of the west side of Chicago, Skid Row, with people who had no food, or when I was in some village in a developing world country at the end of dry season, when they had no food, and when they were famine-stricken. And I thought, if I could bring one of my friends from that spot to this place right now, they would be overwhelmed with the options we have every single day and grow so used to that it's easy to complain. I found myself doing that. You know, the same thing is true spiritually. We are surrounded by spiritual opportunities and spiritual options. There are about five chapel opportunities a week and there are devotions in your residence halls and you have professors who start class with prayer and who periodically stop just to talk about Jesus in the middle of a history lecture or a physics lecture. We're surrounded by opportunity. We live in a city with church after church after church. We're surrounded by possibilities. And yet how easy it is for us to grow cynical and how easy it is for us to grow critical, and how easy it is for us to take it for granted. Every once in a while, now I know that this doesn't quite make sense to us who are still in school, but every once in a while I'll talk to somebody who's two years or three years out of school and say, I didn't like chapel all that much when I was there, but I wish I could have it at work every once in a while, cause I could use that time just to take a time out and focus on the Lord and yet and yet, it's so easy for us to go blase, grow blase about it. And the will of God for us is to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And so I want to try something that some of you are going to be contri- feel contrived but we're gonna spend the rest of my time together about the next 10 minutes just thanking God and praising God for different stuff. And some of you are gonna be tempted to give golf claps. And I want us to really praise the Lord. Can we do that? I'm just gonna give a list of stuff. So, um, chapel, four chapels ago. Fusion Chapel, remember Fusion Chapel? Yeah, the speech, yeah. The speaker talked about seeking the the touch of the Lord and touching the garment of of the Savior. And um, man, students kept coming to the altar and coming to the altar. The president had to send a, 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 a message to say, This chapel can continue on if we want to. An hour after chapel was supposed to be over, there were still about 900 people in the room. It was a great day. Students were testifying at microphones about what God was doing in their lives. Chapel didn't end until four hours later. That's worth praising the Lord for. Yeah. Again and again throughout this year, IWU students have met needs where we found them. The women's basketball team had a Destiny Rescue Day. In fact, their influence caused the rest of the Crossroads League to do Destiny Rescue Days as well. And that day in February, the Crossroads League, including us, raised enough money to rescue more than a dozen people from human trafficking. That's worth praising the Lord about Dula sponsored a clothing sale that raised over 1200 for Justice for Children. Dance Marathon raised $28,000 for Riley Children's Hospital. By the way, I W outdoes IU on that one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. IWU students did coat drives since October, and it seems like every time I looked up, somebody was collecting something for somebody or doing something for somebody. We have about 20 men who go to the rescue mission three times a week to meet needs of people there. That's worth praising the Lord about. As part of our academic programs. There are internships and residencies all over the region. IWU students take the love of Christ Jesus into schools and hospitals and the justice system. We sent teams of nurses to Haiti and Zambia again this year to serve the poorest of the poor. They represented Jesus. All these men and women represented Jesus and IWU. They were a cup of cold water in a time of need to people who desperately needed it. We ought to celebrate what God did through them. Today we recognize our Triangle Award winners, one of whom has a cub shirt on. <laughs> Wise man, he's going to be a success in life, whatever he does. <laughs> Only every 108 years, but still. <laughs> they distinguish themselves in character, scholarship and leadership. We've already celebrated that. Our men's basketball team gave Jesus a national platform as they won the NAIA Division II national title and as the confetti was coming down, They gathered in a huddle and prayed. And when the coach got interviewed, he said very little about basketball and he said, talked a whole bunch about Jesus. I was at the unveiling of the national championship banner the other night over in the rec center. Two seniors spoke. They've had a huge basketball career here, both of them. But they said little about basketball and instead talked about how much Jesus had changed their life in their four years here. And it's not just the basketball teams. We have all kinds of teams here that care about winning, and we win at I at a pretty incredible pace. But one of the things I'm proudest about is the commitment that our coaches and our teams put on seeking Jesus and glorifying Him in what they do. At a lot of Christian universities, the athletic department is a hole in the fabric of their faith. At IWU, it's central, and our teams praise the Lord and represent Him well. And I think we ought to celebrate the fact that God's at work even there. Thanks, Coach DeMichael. Now we tend to think of corporate things like that, group things like that, team things like that, organized things like that. But I wanna make it more personal to you. I'm wondering how many believe you've made some kind of significant spiritual progress in your spiritual life this year. Would you do me a favor? Don't just clap, stand up right now. You've made progress in your life this year. That's worth praising the Lord about. Thank the Lord. Go ahead, sit down. How many of you are involved in some way serving at a local church or volunteering on a praise team or working with kids or teens? You're volunteering in a local school or Kids Hope or something where you're intersecting with the life of a kid. You're helping someone in need. God's Word tells us that our attitude should be the same of Christ and He was a servant and a lot of you have been. If you've served someplace outside of our community this year at a church or a school or someplace, would you stand up right now? Let's celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus is proud of you. How many of you have had at least one answer to prayer? You know, we pray, we pray and then God answers and we say, well, God answered prayer. Do you realize that anytime God steps into your life in a result of a prayer and something changes, that's a miracle. If you've had an answer to prayer, just stand up for a second, I wanna see this just about everybody. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. God's at work. Thanks, guys. It's God's will we celebrate, and we did that today, but some of you might be sitting here and um, you might have felt it's been a little contrived. You might have still had the little issue in you going, man, I wish they'd sung that other song. What do you do if this kind of thing is hard for you? Do you know what you do? You do it anyway. (laughs) Choose to obey God's word that says rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And if that's hard for you, maybe one of the things you could pray about today and through this summer is that God would do something in you it would make it easier for you to rejoice. As Paul brings the letter of 1 Thessalonians to a close, he writes these words. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you or cleanse you through and through. That part of you that tends to be critical, whatever it is. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you as faithful, and he will do it let god work in your heart until your heart bubbles with praise until it's overwhelmed by his grace until celebration becomes natural that's what god has asked of you that's what he asks of us chapel's not quite done today we have a little bit of uh worship that we're going to do. It's not quite done for the semester. On Wednesday, our Student Preacher of the Year is going to preach, and on Friday, Dr. Lowe is preaching. Some of you are seniors, and Dr. Lowe was your chaplain when he, when you were a freshman, so I thought he ought to close out there, kind of bookend your career by, by bringing the message on Friday. And right now, I'm going to ask Isaiah and the praise team to lead us in one last song of praise,